CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Hey there, Options Action fans. I'm Melissa Lee. We are live at the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. We've got a big show on tap. Here's what's coming up. Trading the China crackdown. Beijing putting big tech in its crosshairs as Alibaba gears up for earnings. Mike Cole lays out a way to limit your downside risk if Baba fails to deliver. Plus, is there a doctor in the house? Chartmaster Carter Worth says this healthcare stock is looking a little sick heading into earnings. How you can protect yourself from catching a cold. <coughs> and later, Tony Zhang says it's not hip to be square. Why he's betting on a breakdown for the payment stock when it reports results next week. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it. Monday kicks off the second biggest week of earnings with names like General Motors, Uber, Marriott, Eli Lilly, all set to report. And the chart masters eyeing one name in the healthcare space in need of some medicine. Heading into results, Carter, kick it off. Well, that's right. I mean, a big week and big week for healthcare. Moderna, of course, Lilly, but Amgen. And Amgen, as the old-time technical expression goes, doesn't act well. Let's look at a few tables and then some charts. The first table, just one-week performance. We know that healthcare, you see here, beats the market on the week. And Amgen, a big healthcare name, well below both the market and the sector. Look at the next table, one-month performance. Again, leading the way is the healthcare sector, above the S&P, and there's Amgen bringing up the rear. Next table, three-month, same picture. You've got the healthcare sector up over the past three months, almost 8%. The market's up 55 Amgen down. In fact, over the past 12 months, Amgen is onch, and the sector's up some 24 25%. Uh, one or two charts, and that is it. The first is a two-panel. On top, Amgen. On the bottom, relative performance to the XLV, to the sector. And we are now breaking down to new three- and four-year relative lows. And then finally, uh, the Amgen chart itself. We are hovering uh, ominously, if you will, uh, and now having just undercut the uptrend line that's in effect since the March low. The presumption here is that this weakness foreshadows something not right with the earnings announcement. We want to be underweight or short going into the report. Wow. Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so, you know, Amgen's an interesting case, of course. Obviously, Carter was pointing out that uh, the healthcare sector overall has been outperforming it quite significantly. If we take a look at the past six reported quarters, it's interesting. If you had simply shorted Amgen and gone long XBI, which is the biotech ETF, of which it is a constituent, by the way, for just that one day, so six trades only for one day each, you actually would have garnered about a 12.4% return. That's how much it has underperformed the biotechs just on the close before they reported to the close following. So not very good performance. You know, as we take a look at the fundamentals here, they might have a relatively high hurdle going into earnings. The company already announced that they were hindered by the pandemic in the first quarter. And right now the consensus revenue 
uh, estimate by analysts of about $6.5 billion is actually towards the upper end of the company's own guidance. Similarly, if we take a look at OPEX, this is a situation where the consensus view is for about a 12% increase, whereas the company themselves have guided in the mid-teens. So they really are going to have to deliver, I think, some pretty good numbers for them to basically outperform what the consensus view of it is. So take a look at the options right now. We're looking at an implied move of about $9 or so. That's what the straddle that expires at the end of the next week is implying, about 3.7% of the current stock price. I was thinking, considering the fact that the stock is trading at a very low P.E., a forward P.E. of about 14 right now, it's a little risky to try to consider shorting a stock at that valuation, such a discount to the market as it is, but it is acting relatively heavy. I was looking out to October, the 240-220 put spread. That $20 put spread would cost about $6.35, so less than the amount that the options market is actually implying that the stock could move next week, and indeed about as much as the stock has moved from its high of last week until the close today. So this is a way you can risk a relatively small amount of the stock price. Give yourself some time until that October expiration to make a bearish bet without taking unlimited risk to the upside, which shorting a stock that's trading 14 times forward earnings would obviously indicate you are doing. So I think that's the way you want to play it going into earnings if you're inclined to agree with Carter and take a bearish view here. Yeah. Tony, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, so if you look at the technical chart here, uh, Amgen is trading into an apex on multiple time frames. So you're looking for the stock to break out one way or another. But the important uh, chart that Carter showed you was that relative strength, relative strength chart to its sector. You're seeing that underperformance. That's likely to point to some more downside going into earnings. But I think the important thing is really the fundamentals. You've seen three quarters of EPS and revenue decline. I think you're likely going to see another weak quarter going into earnings. And But Mike did say that 13, 14 times next year's earnings, that's the one thing going for this particular stock. I think expectations here are relatively low here for this stock. And I think that's your potential for the surprise to the upside. But that's why I like Mike's trade, because the debit put spread that he's using here is one of the most capital efficient ways that you can take a bearish bet going into earnings. He's risking about 2.5% of the stock's value uh, at risk on this particular trade and you know I like the short the short strike that he's using the 220 short strike because that reflects the support level here for Amgen that's likely going to be a target to the downside if they do miss on earnings all right let's uh, stick with healthcare here we have an update on a Moderna trade we laid out earlier this month you can check it out on our Twitter feed at options action meantime we're taking a look ahead to a big earnings report in the payment space next week. Square is on deck after the bell on Thursday, and Tony is expecting a tough take. So, Tony, take it away. Yeah, so I want to take a look at Square here, which is currently trading at 123 times next year earnings. And I simply think the expectations here are a little too high going in. So let's take a look at some charts. If you look at the chart over the last six months or so, pretty much since November, the stock has been trading between 200 and 270. Recently just bounced off the top end of that range, and I simply think that it's heading back towards the bottom of the range, towards that $200 level, especially when you consider the fact that relative to its sector, the technology sector, it's starting to underperform the sector since that February high. So when you look at that, this all suggests further downside going into earnings. And then if you look at the business itself, right now at 123 times earnings, I think this stock really needs to continue to sustain 
30 to 40% revenue growth here over the next three to four years, while at the same time aggressively uh, showing some margin expansion, which it has not done so far. So that's why for those reasons, I think the stock is headed back towards that $200 level. If you look at the earnings itself, it's currently implying about a 7% move, while the average last eight quarters has been about an 8% move. And I actually think that the options market perhaps may be underpricing uh, some potential downside here. So the trade structure that I want to use is very similar to Mike's trade structure. I'm going out to September and I'm buying the 240-210 put spread here, spending about $12.40 for that September 240 put and collecting about $3.80 for that September 210 put. Here I'm collecting almost 30% of the premium of the long leg by selling that 210 put against it, which reduces my overall trade, uh, overall risk on this particular trade to just $8.60 for the debit spread, which uh, is about 3.5% of the stock's value, trying to limit my losses if this stock does happen to break out higher because it is a very strong stock at the moment. Yeah, um, we had a little bit of a, a taste of, of what Square could report, Mike, when we got PayPal last night, which was not a good report. What's your take on the stock? What's your take on the trade here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we want to take a look at comps to get some sense of the kind of numbers that we're going to anticipate seeing. You know, one of the reasons we look at earnings, I think it's a question you sometimes get, why are we even, why do we even care? You know, so you, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen a year out. Earnings tend to move stocks. And I think we should take a look at this earnings season and consider how they've moved stocks. When we've gotten good numbers, we really haven't seen stocks take off. When we've gotten disappointing numbers, maybe Amazon would be an example there, we've seen some real punishment. And I think that just sort of gives us a sense of what the sentiment in the market is. Are they looking up or are they looking down? We have some sense by looking at the comps that the numbers may not be that great. And we have some sense by looking at other stocks and how they've behaved around earnings that you really have a very high bar to get over to see big upside moves. But even a minor disappointment could lead to a shellacking. So I rather like the trade structure, and I understand why he's setting it up this way going into earnings. Carter, your, your thoughts? Well, what we do know, of course, is, is in terms of uh, run-ups, this is one of the most epic moves off of the pandemic low. It was 32 bucks, and it's a nine-bagger. And so this sideways grinding action that Tony's talking about often foreshadows either more of that, it's sideways, or some sort of further give-back. But what we want to do is eliminate the third scenario, and I think you can. Up seems to be out. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Up next, trading the China crackdown. Beijing putting big tech in its crosshairs as one of China's biggest tech titans gets ready to report how you can play Alibaba heading into next week's earnings. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Ashen's Action. We are following the latest developments out of China as Beijing continues its crackdown on big tech. The KWEB ETF that tracks Chinese tech stocks tumbling again today after posting its best day ever just yesterday. Carter, you actually called this week's China bounce in a note to clients on Tuesday. So how are you taking a look at the space now? What do you make of this action that we saw? Sure. I mean, I just have one chart and we can look at it. It's a two panel and talk about why that call was made. And and sometimes you can just make a one day call. It didn't articulate that, but let's look at it. So the top panel is uh, the Internet, uh, Chinese Internet ETF. And the bottom panel, it's looking at how far above or below the ETF is trading uh, in relation to its 150 day moving average. And so at the peak, we were exactly 39 percent above the 150 day and on the low, we were hitting around $45, we were exactly 39% below the 100. The thought was we get a bounce. So we got about 11, 12% bounce. We've given back some today. My hunch is there's follow through, uh, but certainly if one has profits, you could take some and let the rest ride. Thanks, Carter. So the question I guess here is if you have some China exposure that you're looking to manage, how do you do that? Well, you're in luck. Mike has a way to use a major upcoming catalyst to make some cash. Mike, show us. Yeah, so we're taking a look at Alibaba here. Now, I mean, obviously, what has been pressuring this company, all of the Chinese companies, really, is probably familiar to most viewers, but we should probably just go over it one more time just to be sure. We're talking largely about China's security and regulatory scrutiny on a lot of these companies, basically forbidding them from taking on new users, for example. The painful possibilities of antitrust penalties is something that has also been basically brought into the horizon. And we have a lot of potential further restrictions that we could see in addition to those financial penalties. And in the case of BABA, you know, they have actually been investing in trying to essentially grow their user base. And one of the potential downsides of that is that you could actually see EBITDA or EPS decline a little bit year on year. So those are obviously some of the risks that we face. The thing is that when we look at Alibaba, I mean, this is a company with 40% margins. I mean, that's obviously tremendous. We have high anticipated revenue and EPS growth of 29%-ish year on year on the top line, more on the bottom line. Uh, And of course, on a relative valuation basis, and certainly for a company that's growing as quickly as this one is, it's remarkably cheap. I mean, the thing is trading around 22 times forward earnings, and this is with double-digit EPS and actually top-line growth. So all of those things would obviously suggest that this is a company that you do want to own. Right now, the options market is implying it's going to move a little over 5% between now and the end of next week. That is slightly more than the company has averaged over similar periods of time over the last eight quarters, slightly less than 4%. But understanding that those risks could, of course, emerge at any time or grow worse and wanting to be long, the trade I was looking at was buying essentially an at-the-money, somewhat longer-dated call, the October 195s, and then selling some of the elevated premium that we have going into earnings, the August 205s. Net-net, that would cost me $10. Now, that's a $10 wide spread, but bear in mind that the option that we're selling will expire well before the one that we're owning. And the idea here is to own some longer dated upside exposure on a limited risk basis rather than just going out and buying the stock because I'm not prepared to necessarily call a bottom. But earnings could provide a needed catalyst for this company and arguably for the space. Tony, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, so Alibaba is one of those stocks that we have stayed away from. But I do think now is the time where things are so bad that it might look quite good. And I do think that there are three things going for this stock. One is the statistical side that 
Carter brought out, the how far away it is from that 150-day moving average. If you look at the technicals also, there's quite a bit of compelling capitulation here at the current uh, weekly candle here. You have a pretty, a pretty good-looking weekly candle in terms of uh, that doji that now looks like it could be forming that bottom. But more importantly, as it continues to make lower lows in price, we have no longer seen momentum confirm those new lows. We're starting to see some positive versions. So technicals look extremely strong. And then if you look at the fundamentals, it's back to where it's trading back in 2018, but we've seen EPS and revenues double since 2018, and including the revenue growth that we're expecting here for this particular stock, I think from a valuation perspective, you also have a very constructive uh, opportunity here. So I really like Mark, I think the trickiest part about this trade is the timing, whether or not this is the actual bottom and it starts the rally from here. But that's why I like Mike's trade. He's using this this diagonal spread where even if Alibaba just simply stays where it is and he's able to collect premium to offset the cost of those long calls and he's able to do so after the August calls expire, that's really the compelling part where he continues to lower his cost of buying upside premium over the next couple of months or so um, as Alibaba bottoms here and starts to rally over the next few months. Carter, does BABA look any different from KWEB, or is it such a big component that it's effectively the same chart? Exactly what you just said, uh, so that you'll get the same uh, balance. You have the same candle or sort of reversal day, key reversal day in the ETF as you do in BABA. And so as BABA goes, so will the ETF and vice versa. All right. Up next, pain management. Last week, one of our traders laid out a way to play Pinterest for a pop into earnings. That trade went south. Pinterest uh, more than down more than 18% today after reporting results. A big update on what to do next when options actions returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Tony said Pinterest was set to pop on its earnings. The stock rallied from about $10 pandemic lows to about $90 here in February. That is roughly also 800% return. What I'm expecting here is going into earnings next week, Pinterest will see a similar follow through as we saw for Snapchat. I'm gonna sell the 76.66 put credit spread here, collecting about $6.50 for that $76 put, and I'm paying about $2.40 for that $66 put. Net-net here, I'm yeah. collecting $4.10 on this $10 wide credit spread. Well, you probably know what happened next. Pinterest uh, tanked on the back of its results, the stock falling more than 18% today. So, Tony, what do you do now? Yeah, so trading, op trading earnings is volatile, and that's specifically why we use options to play these earnings plays, because what we want to do is we want to protect ourselves and, and control the amount of risk that we take if the trade does not go the direction that we expect it to. As you said, it's down 18%, but we only lost about 8% of the stock's value by using this put spread. So when you have a trade like this, the best thing to do is buy back the put spread, remove the potential risk of early assignment here, take the loss, and move on to the next trade. Carter, was any uh, damage done to this Pinterest chart? Well, yeah, and, and, and uh, it's just as much damage is done uh, in our short Moderna, meaning when something gaps down or gaps up in the direction that's exactly the opposite of how you're positioned, just what Tony said, you did take your loss and move on. All right, we've also got a trade update here on Coca-Cola. Two weeks ago, Mike laid out a strategy on how to play Coke for a pop. What I was doing was taking a look at long dated calls, January 57 and a half calls. When I was looking at that earlier today, those were about $2.14. And then I was looking at selling the August 57 and a half 
calls against that to help finance that. Those I could collect about 70 cents for. Now, of course, 70 cents on a stock that's closing on $60 may not seem like a lot of premium to collect in one month. Think about it in the context, though, of the $2.14 you're spending. That's about a third of the premium. So there's about almost 190 days till those long dated calls expire, only about 35 till those shorter dated August options expire. The idea here is that we can continue to own those longer dated calls and sell premium against them continuously. Well, the stock is up about 1% since that trade. So Mike, how are you managing this one? Yeah, so Coke is not a really fast-moving trade uh, stock, and that's one of the reasons we like a trade structure like this one. It's migrating right to that 57.5 strike as we see it right now. The stock has outperformed the broad market over the course of the last month. So I think we stay with it. Of course, if we start to see those short-dated calls really decline in value, maybe down to a quarter or so, I'd say just cover those and look to roll out. All right. Um, we have some time to take a few of your tweets, so let's get to it. Our first viewer asks, the Amazon broken wing butterfly is not going well. I'm thinking of recovering some of my losses by closing the 3650 call and opening another 3950 call. I would be essentially converting this to two credit spreads with the goal of allowing everything to expire worthless. Mike, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so, I mean, there's two things here. First of all, the Amazon broken wing fly. I mean, we were looking for a rally in the stock. We actually got it. The stock did start to get pretty close to our price objective. Some people may have actually covered the trade and taken some profits there. But, of course, if you were looking through earnings and decided to hold it through that time, that has not indeed gone well at all. And my suggestion would normally be simply cover the trade and move on. However, my, you know, moving your strikes around a little bit so that you can convert trades into a credit spread is a structure or a trading strategy that some more sophisticated participants will use sometimes to essentially get to break even on trades that aren't working out. Uh, I sort of would suggest that's deep end of the pool stuff, though, so I'm comfortable with that trade if you are. All right. Well, our next viewer asks, with Snap forming a power earnings gap up, how does an 80-85 call spread for August 20th look? Tony, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so I like Snap. It's building a base here above 75. It's got strong relative strength, but I do think August 8085 is a little too short term and a little too high in terms of strike prices. I would go out to about September or October and look at 7580s uh, as the as strike prices that I would use for that bullish view. All right, Tony, Mike Carter, good to see you. And that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. But do not go anywhere. A Fast Money special is coming up right after this quick break. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.